and welcome to Painted Bread Quarterly Slush Pile. We're so glad that you're here with us. Uh, what we're about to do today is read a couple submissions to Painted Bread Quarterly, and then we'll discuss them and share our editorial table with you. So feel free to vote, and um, in your minds at least, and listen in, and um, glad that you're here. So I'm Kathleen Volkmiller, and we're still recording from separate spaces. So I'm at home in Collingswood, New Jersey, and I'm going to throw it more than almost 7,000 miles to Marion Wren. Miles and miles and miles. Hello, it's Marion. I'm here in Abu Dhabi. Um, sending love to this whole team. It's been a minute since I've seen your faces, and I can't wait to talk about these poems today. I'm going to bounce it to Samantha. Hi everyone, um, I'm here in Baltimore and I am sharing the feelings of everyone. Very happy to be here. And I'm going to pass it to um, Harmony's cloud room. <laughs> Clouds. Oh, I'm Harmony, I'm at home and my room looks like a meadow with a rainbow um, fan. And this semester is the first time I've been in person class since high school actually. So really, cool for me. And I think I'll balance it to Alex since I see him right there. Hello. <laughs> I, I'm in Long Island. It's cold. There's snow. It was a lot. <laughs> I Thankfully, there's a lot of snow blowers in the neighborhood that are in well, the, at least on our street, there's a bit of community where it's like, oh, I'll take care of the sidewalk. I have to use it anyway. Um, speaking of snow i'm pretty sure jason probably also had to deal with snow but the city shovels from what i understand oh, i did i'm i'm in manhattan after after almost a, two decades in brooklyn and um yes not having to shovel not being a, a homeowner anymore is actually quite lovely of <laughs> 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 uh, the sort of manhattan lifestyle of someone else salting and shoveling the street um but today i'm in tribeca um back at my lovely office at the borough of manhattan community college and um, let's get going. That's wonderful. Okay, yeah, yeah. And what's so funny is people might, might not hear this until spring had sprung. And therefore, like, you know how your brain just like goes, snow? What snow? Like even in just a few months, right? It'll feel so different. Um, so yes, let's get to these poems. Why don't we start with the David Landon? David Landon, thank you so much for allowing us to discuss your poetry. And um, I think Marianne's gonna read for us. Oh, thank you. Okay, so um, Slushies, this poem is going to challenge my music vocabulary, so bear with me. Um, thank you, David Landon. We're reading your poem called Bach, Onomatopoeia and the Wreck. For all we knew, it was a random chunk of interstellar rock the rear end crash that brought us to a halt. Dinner was out, of course, and the Bach too, I realized, feeling it in my neck and standing there in the rain, examining my totaled car, the guilty driver soaked in tears. The cops were nice enough, did what they had to do efficiently. The wrecker did show up eventually, and we began to cope. And since it's now collision story time, the word I'm hearing in my head is thud. 
There's clunk, of course, or jolt, wham, bang, or thwack. Thwack has that sudden can't be happening feel, as in I was just sitting reading Kant when suddenly inside my head, I felt this thwack and everything went blank. But no, the word that truly bongs the knell is thud. Essence, onomatopoeically, of impact, thud from dice to hand grenade to asteroid. We need the stupid D of do, do, dodo, dude, or dud, or dead. Your done for is what we're up against. You never know when out of nowhere, thud. But on the other hand, there's Bach, the Bach we missed, the works for cello, solo, Bach, initial B, a kind of plosive bump, terminal ch, a bit of friction in the throat, but in between the b and k, the ah, release, sustained and open ah. Think of how bow, bow colliding with the string, a subtle thud, a scrape, and out floats Bach, genial bacchanalia of dark and light, a theory of the universe as music, bang, and then the saraband, the minuet, the allemande, the gigue. Woot! <laughs> David Landon, all those words, and I can't see Bo. <laughs> 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 your brain every time your brain sees a word it filters through every possibility of both like what the word could be and what the word could mean um, and if you're reading silently it happens like you know um automatically you don't even notice it um but if you're reading out loud then that process can be made visible and thank you i i visibly processed the word in front of all y'all <laughs> Silent reading only became the norm after the 500s. So if we'd been doing this in the 400s, we would have been, you know, like right on par. Thank you. Thank. I think you just call me prehistorical, but thank you. <laughs> I don't think the glitch was that bad. And um, slushies, you can look at the poem on our pages at pbqmag.org. Yes. So, yeah. And, and I was just thinking too, uh, what an amazing job you did. I was so glad that it was you um, with the ah uh, release, sustained yeah. and open, like all of it. You was just beautiful. Thank you very much, Mary. Thank you. Thank you, David Landon, for that tongue twister. <laughs> well, I think I love the play with words in this poem. I mean, that, that's the point, obviously, right? That's what everybody's going to talk about is yeah. to explore and pull apart these words and how how what they mean on so many levels to us and their sounds mm -hmm. are so important um not just in poetry but when you describe a car accident right mm -hmm. well what what i find interesting about this is this is a poem that like has some distance to it so it's not like the shock of the car accident is like okay what is this car accident into in the rest of my life because at first i was confused of why he was bringing bach back mm -hmm. um <laughs> uh sorry i had to it's right there um and then it's like oh this he 
he's trying to reincorporate it into the rest of the night like he was going to see Bach and then and so he brings that back in the poem and it's kind of this like what happens after the initial shock of the the I'm trauma is not maybe not the right word I mean it's a poem about figuring out the right words for stuff Mm -hmm. um which is yeah I, I just like that like he's able to reinterpret this as like okay what's the right sound for telling the story of this which mm-hmm. is I don't know there's some something out heal heal I don't know it's there is a weird healing nature of this like I'm far enough away from this that yeah. I'm more interested in telling the story of it now because I'm okay the cards probably yeah. got fixed like I don't know maybe it's interesting to me as a storyteller just like I need the right word now like this happened already now how do I tell it Alex okay so thank you for saying all that because it's not an ars poetica right it's it is storytelling and thinking about the sounds that most aptly correspond with the body's experience of the event right which that strikes me as like why music is the perfect metaphor here. That's for, to me, that's why the Bach comes back, right? Is that it's the vibration in the body as, as part of the collision, of course, but it's not, and therefore poetry heals, right? It's, it's almost like a linguistic, a set, like etymological, like words in the body move the poem makes, which is surprising and pleasurable. I agree with been said and I also love that we get a scene of uh, wreckage and damage and it never goes into who is to blame or you know it's not about um, pointing fingers Um, in a way what you're saying about bringing Bach back in it feels like this is how you bring beauty and poetry and music back into a life full filled with wreckage Um, and I just love that line about feeling it in the back of the neck. Um, And of course, because um, our throats are where all these sounds are coming from and our our stomachs and that's how we speak and use language. And I just, I just think it's a gorgeous poem. I I wanted to get back to the car accident. I don't know, did other people not want to get back to the car accident? There's a, I mean, the way that it moves into the telling of the story. And I know that like the car accident is resolved, right? That like, the cops come and the insurance is blah 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 and you know there's a sort of sense of um an orderly world in which sort of everyone plays their part and the expectations are fulfilled that even when there's a catastrophe the catastrophe is planned for and then the question becomes the telling of the catastrophe but I, I did I just want to get back to it I mean the 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 language about Bach is so wonderful I'm sure the Bach and it's really funny <laughs> I laughed every time I looked at that um but I, I don't know, did, did, did you, did, did you, were you happy with kind of ending out on this sort of like move into music and concert? I, I guess for me, oh, go ahead. I guess for me, I guess it wasn't an exciting car accident in the scale of car accident if in the way they, I guess for him, it was like they bumped into each other and that was the extent of it. <laughs> like, I feel like the, as a story, like I, I'm giving him uh the idea that like he told us all he he could really tell about the actual the actual events of the car accident or the the so maybe that's where I was I just like I trusted him 
that like yeah that that happened and now it's like we're he's more interested in the sound of what happened i guess so alex i thought so that so jason's question really about like craving the craving the crash <laughs> right like a return to the crash in some way is really yeah. interesting because it does like i don't know like it pushes against the 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 narrative um, impulse of the poem, right? Because it goes, it's, it starts with a crash and then it becomes language and music and, and language and music is a way of making sense of the narrative moment, the trigger, the occasion, but by not coming back to it, slushies, what you couldn't see is Jason made a hand gesture where he just sort of like started with, with the thud and then gestured out into the, the abyss, so to speak. And I don't know, like, I kind of like that the that it doesn't do a mic drop at the end, that it doesn't go, and therefore, right, like, accidents are productive art moments or some 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 figured out thing. Like, the fact that it doesn't kind of is weirdly pleasurable. I, I think it's important that it was a rare ender. They, <laughs> they, they quite literally didn't see it coming at all. There was not, a, not even that flash of a second of, oh, shoot. Like, you know, somebody's coming at me the wrong way or this truck is stopped, not moving or there's no chance of them knowing they were going to get hit. Yeah. Right. I think that's actually pretty important. He has no story to tell. Well, and, and, the, and I get that the Bach is the concert. They didn't make it right. The, because of the rear end, because of the car right. accident, they don't get to dinner. They don't get to the concert. Right. And so the Bach is what would have happened had they been there. Right. I still wanted to go back to the cards. <laughs> I know, the world, there's the nothing to say. There's nothing to say. The governor <laughs> ended, right? And then his story is his story. Like, it's all about what he didn't get and just figuring out how to tell the story. Right? Yeah, right? And it for, I mean, it foregrounds what we do as storytellers, that as poets, yes. um, as kind of meditators, as monologists, as storytellers, um, we typically make ourselves invisible, right? We're typically kind of trying to just tell you the story. And so foregrounding the way in which the story told is, is told is often a kind of technique, either to sort of highlight the trauma of the mm -hmm. event, right? You know, sort of like the gesture towards there's no other way to say this, right? This sort of like, you know, like, I don't know how to tell the story, but I'll try to tell the story like this. Um, I always think of that, like, you know, the opening of, uh, what is it? What's the Ian Forster novel, Howard's End? Um, one, one might as well begin with the uh, message. Um, yeah. But, uh, but in, in this case, it, it actually sort of foregrounds safety. It sort of foregrounds like a kind of intellectual, um, civilized, uh, kind of contemplation like it, it sort of highlights right. the way in which we like are have this kind of freedom to contemplate and because the car accident is both um a not catastrophic catastrophe and an orderly event in which our civilized world of police and insurance mm -hmm. and responsibility i mean even the fact that like the driver who's responsible feels bad about it right it's right. so like, weirdly refreshing <laughs> there's something wonderful at beginning a car accident where the responsible oh. part is like i shouldn't have done that and i feel right. responsible it's i mean it, it almost feels like it's like pre-covid or something it's like oh right okay. I in that world jason exactly right like i'm sorry but really it is genteel like it's got this it feels yeah. like a minuet it's like everybody's so polite around this crash and i guess i just want to go back to slushies like 
we're, we're going to choose to keep my misreading in the reading of the poem because I actually think that there's something really performative here about the words on the page. Like it is storytelling, but it's, it's, it's like determining what the right sound is for the story. That's the story, right? So the intellectualizing isn't mean, meaning making as much as it's like tied to the oral, oral experience of the thud, like, like coming to name the language. So when, slushies, when you read this poem on the page, you're going to see like, you know, the, 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 the B and the, the D that the, and then, and the CH, like, are you going to say, ch or k when you see the CH, like the way he's playing linguistically with this does the very thing that, that Jason was talking about, right? Like your brain is working in like three different ways as you are like reading quietly in, in your head. And then the risk of reading it out loud puts you in jeopardy, right? Like it's a, it's a mild jeopardy. It's a genteel jeopardy, right? But it, the jeopardy of saying shit wrong is real. Right. So anyway, I give you that. You, you know what this reminds me of, you know, like late night shows when they have guests on and like, I, I, I've heard peaks behind the curtain where they kind of come in with the story sometimes sure. where like, yeah, you're producing, you're, you're promoting the movie, but then like they're, they'll ask you about something that happened and the, like the, the celebrity or whatever, like kind of has the story ready to go. And I feel like it's, this, this story is less about the crash than like what am I going to say at the next dinner party like that's the, <laughs> totally that's the, uh, yeah. that's the, that's the uh trauma of it's like uh, I need the right word so this goes right. over well at the, <laughs> next time I bring it up <laughs> absolutely because that's all you get right that when something happens you go well at least we got a story <laughs> right so and I think, too, what Jason was saying earlier about words, you know how we also read in clusters? That's why we don't see, like, mistakes. We anticipate phrases. Mm. You can't do that in this poem at all, right? Every single word needs to be looked at and considered on its own. And I think that's a lot of fun, too. We're all shaking our head in agreement with Kathy and I'm thinking about like my, my gesture that I didn't even realize I was making it like, oh yeah, we're all making these gestures of agreement. Slushies, I'm sorry, you can't see them. <laughs> but know that they're there. Yeah. They're there. Um, what do you think, guys and dolls? Is it voting time? Uh-huh. Okay. I, I, but I, I do. I want like a, I want like a dancing thumb this time. I want like a. Like... Oh, wait, I have I have wheels on my chair. Hold on, I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm moving. Well, I ready? have an idea. I have an idea. I'm gonna do one, two, three, like this. Okay. Okay. Ready? Okay. All right. Okay. So slushies, we're doing the Saturday Night Fever, um, rolling fists around one another, right? Parallel <laughs> forearms. Can you feel us? Can you feel us? Here we go. One, two, three. These are our first dancing thumbs. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, Alex, are you still dance, dance for me one more time? Yes. Oh, yeah. Woo oh, yeah. There we go. There you go. Yes. Yay. Thank you, David Landon. <laughs> it's the unanimous dance off, and we all won. We all won. We all won. <laughs> I think we should play some Bach, like while like hey, we're playing it out. Yeah, Beethoven. How many Larissa? If you want to drop a little Bach in here somewhere, that'd be great. <laughs> it should be public uh, domain at this point, right? I would imagine. But not the performance. You'll get Sebastian Bach from me if you're not careful. <laughs> <laughs>
Sebastian Bach. Can we get like? Can we like do like a sing along of eighteen and life to go? Like, can we like? No, it'll probably get it'll probably get taken down. But I can see if I can reach out to him on Twitter. He's pretty pretty active there. Okie that's amazing. Lovely way to uh, regroup here, and um, I think we should move along. Right out. So our next poem is called Headwind. And it's by Shane Chergoski. Thank you so much, Shane, for allowing us to read your poem, Headwind. And I think Jason's going to do the honors on that. Should you want to describe it for a second or two? Yeah. So it's an erasure poem. And so what happens with an erasure poem, if you're not familiar, is that you kind of start with a page of text and then you erase the things that you don't want to be there and you only leave behind kind of the traces of it. So the way that it ends up on the page records how it was originally placed, but it's now completely out of context. So you sort of have this placement that's based on what was around it that's no longer there. And so it kind of leaves this like trace of the missing and the white space, um, which you will not be able to see unless you go to the website to take a look at it, um, is really important. And it usually indicates a certain kind of fragmentation. There's usually a sort of um, a way in which the language gets choppy because it's quite literally being chopped up. So I will do my best to do justice to uh, Shane Trudowski's headwind. The story hurt. I remember what a bastard I was to chance after it oneself so L-O-R'd less of what. I want to hold something about the way I want to know what I have a hard time imagining. Feel the is fish. It had to feel to it forcing me to survive. I have limits, break everything. How to not ask and feel secure. A muff or concrete daisy, no imagining them together. I like how they've been they that they'd rather keep diving than let you love everything you concern. But eat in an etsy curl narrative ideal or organ. Each is a ship I want to keep getting lost in. Here only to appear incomplete at an intestinal app found cold. Maybe I do know. Maybe it makes me so disgusted. It's good I'm disgusted. I will get in. I will get on the ship. I want to make the uh dot of sensual and real. I 
miss utility, it's quiet ruining. Oh. Well, I I think that um, Holy about, yeah, that was that was crazy. But I have to say a but. But. But if we're reading, mm -hmm. don't we? Doesn't our brain rush ahead and we say utility? We don't say utility. Don't we say utility? Like I'm wondering if we should do another read where we don't space within words so that it's a little less, you know, buried, buried in. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe, and maybe we should, but I will say, I re I'm sorry to interrupt Kat, but I loved how Jason became a robot. Right. Like there's, there's something about the way he was articulating the white space in that, that I didn't expect to hear. And I really, I enjoyed it. Right. But maybe we should have a second reading as a comparison. Do you, do you want me to do the second reading or do you want to have someone else do it? I think you should do it, especially since you just did the other one. Okay, so this time I will not, because I, I, I think that there are both ways to read. And I think that part of what happens in an erasure poem is that your brain is doing both. Um, yeah. The voice kind right. of requires certain decisions that the page leaves open-ended. And um, as I'm always explaining to students, like the ambiguity, like the point of ambiguity Right, the value, particularly on ambiguity that was put in place by the new critics, um, the 1930s, is not that it's confusing, right? Ambiguity doesn't mean we don't know. Ambiguity means there's a discrete number of possibilities. One of them is correct, but the others will not go away and you cannot know which one they are. So the point of ambiguity is you can do it one of a discrete number of ways, not that, you know, it's kind of open-ended. So I'll, I'll do the, the second, I'll resolve the ambiguity um, with doubling. Okay. okay. Um, I'm so excited to be back in the classroom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Headwind. Um, and this time I will not read with, um, with a foregrounding of the white space. This time I will, I will read with a foregrounding of the language left behind. Headwind. The story hurt. I remember what a bastard I was to chance after it oneself so lordless of what. I want to hold something about the way I to know what I have a hard time imagining. Feel this fish, it had that feel to it, forcing me to survive. I have limits, break everything. How to not ask and feel secure. A moth or concrete daisy, no imagining them together. I like how they've been that they'd rather keep diving than let you love everything you concern, buried in an easy curl, narrative, ideal, or organ. Each is a ship I want to keep getting lost in, here only to appear incomplete, an intestinal shape found cold. Maybe I do know. Maybe it makes me so disgusted. It's good I'm disgusted. I will get in. I will get on the ship. I want to make the dive sensual and real. I miss utility. It's quiet, ruining. <laughs> Holy shit. <Thank> you. <laughs>
Thank you. This is the thing I was thinking about, like uh, all of us that are listening to Jason do the robot version, you know, including the space in the reading. If you're not looking at the poem, I don't know what sense making there could possibly be, right? Then it, it, it's rendered only to sound. Um, but of course, the erasure is so important. The white space is so important. Just now in this reading, I was thinking about how well, how how there is no chance that erasures are page to stage. You know what I mean? Like erasures must be read on the page. They period, right? That it's the, the least oral poetry form. Mm. <laughs> Maybe. Right? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm trying to I I, was, I mean probably the most famous um erasure is um Zong. Um, by M. Nervosita Phillips. And um, I'm not sure I've ever heard a, a recording of it. I've, I've only seen it on the page. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd be really curious to hear um, what it sounds like. But but actually in that particular case, there was, um, uh, when it was, when it, I think it was, it was translated into another language and to save space, they condensed a lot of the white space. And um, she was very upset about it, that um, that was, that, that it, oh, it was the same poem without the white space that had just been, that had been condensed as a kind of, um, not not as a poetic consideration, but as, as a publication consideration. I, I don't know that much about it. I mean, I'm just sort of, I'm sure that if, if we read an article about it, we would, we would discover much more. But um, but yeah, erasure poems. Um, do, do you guys know a humament? Um, and I'm blanking on the name of the author. There's this wonderful book of erasures that, um, and it's called A Humament. And it started as a novel called A Human Document that this artist um, found. And he began painting over the text and leaving behind these kind of little sentences found on the page. And um, it's a really beautiful document. I mean, in, in some ways it's, it's sort of, this kind of er erasure poem because like it it sort of set this in mind for so many people. But on the other hand, it's kind of this visual art piece where um, you know if you if you Google a humament, um, you'll find this really beautiful. I, I want to say Tom Phillips. Am I am I getting that name right? I will ask Google. Um, but yeah, the 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 erasure poem really relies on the visual um, in a much more structural way. Mm -hmm. And like a lot, a lot of what we talk about with line breaks or with, you know, stanza breaks, like, you know, you can set them however you want to. Whereas with an erasure poem, um, there is a much more, the, the structural aspect to the image or of the poem because it's what's missing that shapes where the, where the words go and the letter. Right, it's fascinating. When I read erasure poems, I, I always think, how did they find this? Yeah. You know, that's what's kind of, it's like a sculpture. I listened, um, oh, I listened to um, Tracy K. Smith once uh, read an erasure poem um, on a podcast and um, it was really powerful. It was, it was called um, Declaration and it, yeah. was, um, it was really interesting to hear it. And I, can't say that I ever went and found uh, the, you know, the actual poem on the page from it, but it, it stayed with me. And I think tip, I think in some ways because of the subject matter and uh, what has been lost kind of in the cultural memory of, mm -hmm. of the Declaration of Independence. So it worked really well for me just to hear it. 
Was it read with even space within words? Um, I mean, I think that she read it slower than Jason's second reading on the on our poem we're looking at now, but you know, it wasn't quite as slow as, as his first reading. She didn't break up with the words themselves. When words were well, I've never seen it on the page. So oh, so you don't know. Right, 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 right. So I actually taught that, I think last year, like mm -hmm. I was teaching remotely and I kind of did text how po uh, poets use like text on the page as like a uh, visual and then how artists did it was like the second half. So I, I tried to actually keep, I found a version that had literally did the like the erasure like on an mm -hmm. image of the decoration itself because I wanted to like give a hint also to the students and like keep that like text the stylized text a certain way to evoke something and let like ask the students about that but I that leads me into a question of like as I think this poem works on its own, but there is still like the human part of me that's like, okay, but what's the source text? Like, cause sometimes for me, the interesting part of the erasure poem is how does it relate to the original text? Like I, I did a workshop actually just last Friday and it was kind of a wind down activity. And we did uh, erasure uh, poems of, mostly my rejection letters because <laughs> we're, we're talking about rejection after they submitted work and also like one for my friend Rob's he's the teacher of the program and like some of the other workshop leaders just like some of the fun is like the contrast like you get a really positive rejection letter turns into like you're horrible <laughs> like go away like so so I, I wonder if that's a factor here for me not so much I feel like I have enough context from the title from the recurring imagery that I don't need the original text as much, but I'm not sure. I, I don't know if I'm speaking for myself here or if that's no, a that, that's super interesting. Mary, and I think you should talk about that piece that yeah. you just came across. Yeah. So, there, so there's, there's two things that I wanted to say too, which is like, Alex, I'm so glad you brought this up because at first I, you know, I had a knee jerk reaction to this thinking that it was somehow less than without the original, right? Like if there wasn't the interplay, like if you couldn't see what the writer was doing with the original, that it was somehow like leaving something out or that it was, it was too much of an absence. Um, and I, I say that, and then I want to contradict myself because I'm a Gemini. Um, one reason is because I, I work with a, a wonderful poet, Katie Richards, and she's got a poem that um, is an erasure and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's sort of like a protocol for uh, water safety for autistic children, right? So like dense single spaced page, right? About how to stay safe, how to stay safe for children, right? As, and, and it's addressed to parents or, or caregivers, right? And then what she does is keep the original in grayscale and then only highlight maybe like seven or eight keywords. So, you, so the idea of the poem is actually in conversation with the primary text and then the reader gets both right so so I, I i just i've been thinking so much about katie's poem and erasures that i i forgot zong right so i'm glad you mentioned that jason because I, I just finished reading christina sharp's book um in the wake which really sort of offers an a a theory for the aesthetic of lack and absence as wake work, right? And so like the permanent absence of the 
primary text is, is, is also the primal site of grief, of loss, of absence that we're all always reckoning with, with in, in and with language, right? Point one, plus also uh, the, the particular African-American experience of slavery and the trauma of that is the wake work that she describes, right? In, in her book, right? And so I don't know, I don't know what Shane's primary text is, but I'm now suddenly really like just mesmerized by the gap, mesmerized by the absence, right? And, and much more curious about it also because I heard it aloud, right? I just wanted to throw that out there. Like I'm with Kathy, like they work better on the page, I think. And also, I don't know, like, Jason as robot, Jason as human really moved me here. I, I feel like I need to say this, even though I feel like I'm dumbing it down or something, but I, I believe my perception is that the majority of erasure poems that we receive and that I have read do not tell us what the original text was. Yeah. And not one part of me needed to know. Mm-hmm. Not one part of me. In fact, Mary, when you said, what does this come from? I was like, oh, what? Yeah. Not, yeah. not one part of me needed to know what it came from. Even though I yeah. love what I was saying earlier, the, yeah. the sculpture of it, the fact that something was chipped away to reveal what's inside. I love that thinking, mm-hmm. but I don't need to see the big rock from which it came at all. Yeah. Yeah. It matters and, so much. Yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely like, I'm a hundred percent opposite on this one. Yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, Paul Siegel, who was with us for years and years as as a staff member, he was really into erasure for a while. And I remember talking a lot about not needing to know, you know, what it came from. That was not a thing. And yeah. So. I mean, I I guess because I I think of the erasure so much, not as being, um, a sort of you know, like I, I think that the metaphor of the of the rock is really important, right? Is this a sculpture? Mm-hmm. Like, do, do we need to know what the marble was? Um, because for yeah. me, it it's usually about finding something in the language that wasn't visible at first. Uh-huh. That it's right. about kind of carving something out and sort of bringing to the surface something about the way that the diction or the syntax or um, the language, there's something about the texture of the language that the erasure makes clear that gets buried in the original or the kind of gets gets papered over and that there's a kind of attention and an attention to it that the author or the, the poet has brought by kind of stripping it down to these pieces. But I, I think I think that's that's a really I think it's another way's ambiguities, right? Like is it no, no. is it the new it's like a translation. Is it is it yeah. just burying across this other work or is it a new kind of object in and of itself? Right, right. Like, I feel like what you're saying, Jason, is the relationship between the two texts is very important to you yeah. and it is not important for me. I don't care if you make an entirely new thing that has nothing to do with where it started. But, uh. you know, like what Marion said about it, even Lee, I think if something is as close as the poem that Marion discussed, then you need to even leave it as the shadow sister behind. You know, like that's that's different. Maybe there's two kinds of erasure poems. There's some where some of the meaning is the relationship between the original text and then there is erasure that can be 
an entirely new thing with no relationship. Well, for me, it's just the nagging idea in the back of my head. It's like, well, I know it's an erasure poem. So it's like you kind of, the hint of something is like, well, I kind of want to find out now, but that's just me being curious. It's more than anything. Yeah, I guess I mean, I'm, I wouldn't mind knowing, but I don't need to know. I, I thought that um, if we just talk about the poem, the words on this page, I think all of the words that you guys have been using about what's absent and what's lost is actually even still there. Mm. Because we still know we're getting like broken language. Mm. But this poem still hangs together for me and with both of that, like I, I get its brokenness. I see the absences but I still can make meaning with what I have left. Well, yeah, so what I like is I, I kind of been scrolling up and down looking at it. I'm looking at it in like a document, like it ties in that nautical imagery well enough, that diving that like you're literally kind of maybe a poem typically that we accept is like maybe a page or under a page or it's I'm like this, is, it takes a while to go down the page really to <laughs> that's part of the experience as well and at least it, the there's a in a lesser poet's hands that wouldn't be intentional but here I feel like there's a tying together of a bunch of stuff so it's not just like oh I'm doing an erasure poem and this is what came out there's like these images keep recurring the title references something and like they're feels like the experience of what we got is like intentional in a way. Effie, what is the poem about for you? Like in terms of like, when you read the poem, like what is sort of like, what's what's happening in the poem for you? Um, I, I think I see the speaker seeking and I think that has a lot to do with the loss part. Um, I don't know if I can, you know, like give you an explication, but I feel my takeaway is I saw that word lost, you know, is a lost person seeking meaning. For me, I want like, to hold something. I want to know. I want, you know, there's a lot of that kind of language in here and the diving. Sorry to interrupt you, Alex. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Uh, for me, it came together. It's like, well, well what's a headwind? And I, I like, I know I'm, I look stuff up. <laughs> and a headwind, the definition I got is a wind blowing directly in front, opposing forward motion. And that's that kind of tied a lot of things together for me, like that sure. the nautical imagery. It's like a confronting something. Uh -huh. A lot is kind of ambiguous here, but there is like, there's a relationship or something like that. Like, I don't know. It's vague, but not too vague. I'm least able to get the emotion of it though. Right. Yeah, I have to say, I think the, the, uh, the section, how to not ask and feel secure really moved me. There was something about that. I mean, speaking of ambiguity, right? Like the capacity to live in uncertainty um, and desire it simultaneously, it just seemed really shrewd, right? Um, and, and, and I don't know, sort of, deeply human um, in its 
articulation, right? Or rather, it's articulation of a deeply human sense of um, precariousness and desire to not be so, right? Um, which seemed really cool. I am so curious about what the original text is. I know, and Kathy, this is, I guess, this is where we differ, right? Like, I'm so curious about the original text. I wonder if it would be strengthened by the, like knowing what the original is, even if it's just like a footnote, right? Huh. Um, but I, I don't think it's enough to break to break me of the poem. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's just in in this iteration, it's I find it powerful on the page, but I also crave more from it. Like, I'm I'm wondering, like, I wonder why he's chosen not to indicate what the erasure is anywhere on the page, other than its layout, right? Um, right. I wonder if two of it's how many pages. I know we've published erasures without knowing yeah. where they originally came from. We definitely yeah, have. Sure. So maybe it's the length too, like you're you're with it for so long. It's you know, yeah. yeah. Do you do you guys think you can vote without that knowing? I think so. We can vote. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll do I'll do Sam's thumb. Are we okay. dancing this time? Let's dance again. We might as well, even though this doesn't make us dance as much, but you know, <laughs> dancing episode. One, two, three, boat. And it's in. So, so uh, we should tell our slushies that Marion was doing the swim for a moment, maybe in honor of all the Alex did it. Alex did it too. Alex, oh, Alex did it too. Appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, Shane Sugars. Chigowski. Thank you so much. Um, and boy, I guess maybe we'll add it. We'll ask Shane's permission to uh, add a footnote even to this episode as to what this work came from. Uh, to remind you, slushies, you can read show notes and the poems themselves at pbqmag.org. Just click on podcast. If it's no longer on the homepage by the time you get there. Um, so... Wow, two poems by two separate people. We don't do that that often, uh, but they both got in, which is always lovely. Yay. And yeah, thanks again to David Landon and to Shane Tchaikovsky and to all of you. Does anybody have anything they need to say or want to say? Remember that we will not be timely. <laughs> it might be <laughs> 72 degrees by the time we're reading this. Although I haven't driven since Friday because why and, and you know my the main roads are fine here but this i we got eight to ten inches here. yeah yeah so so you know which will be a dream by uh wednesday uh this is monday wednesday is gonna be 56 or something like that oh my goodness yeah oh my goodness yeah crazy all right slushies please uh let us know how we're doing follow us on all the socials and um, keep reading, especially Jason's book. Marion's holding up my Marion's holding up Jason's book and not saying anything. Yes, hold me tight, Jason Schneiderman, Red Hand Press. Do it. We know you're bored. You know you need more poetry in your life. <laughs> Woo! Mwah. Love you guys. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.